This morning, looking at Matthew, the 18th chapter. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he starts out by telling them a story. Jesus spoke in stories. Why? We call them parables. It's a religious way of saying stories. Leave it to Christians. We'll find a religious way to take anything and make it hard to understand. But it's just a story. And he spoke in So why did he speak in stories? Because he was speaking to men. And he had to hold their attention. Men like stories. Tell me something. Don't blah, blah, blah me. Give me something I can relate to. And Jesus often spoke in these parables, these stories. And he, he's trying to explain to them the kingdom of heaven. And as was his custom, he gave them a story. I want us to look at this story this morning. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he starts this story, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, what he's talking about is... The king would, on, on occasion, if he wanted to generate more revenue for the kingdom or, or whatever the deal is, anybody that owed him money, he could call those notes at any time. Um, you know, banking and loaning and stuff was much different thousands of years ago than it was today, and than it is today. And and whenever they they wanted to call the accounts, they could do it. So this king calls these people who owe him money because he wants to settle up, wants to generate some revenue now. I'm sure this struck terror in the hearts of all the guys who owed him money. Some who could repay, uh, but weren't prepared to, and uh, particularly those who uh, wanted to repay, and just it was impossible for them to do so. Because uh, in those days, well, you talk about debt collector problems. I mean, these guys had the authority, and this was actually true up to about 150 years ago in Western culture, uh, they had debtor's prisons. And if you owed money and didn't pay it back in time, they could come and arrest you and throw you into jail. Thank God they don't do that today or a lot of you wouldn't be here this morning. But uh, um, they get in trouble and they would arrest them. And in, uh, 2,000 years ago, they could also, in extreme cases, take you and, and sell everything you own, sell you into slavery, take your wife sell her as a slave, you'd never see her again, and take your children and sell your children into slavery for the rest of their lives. This was a frightening scenario for those who were in a great deal of debt. And Jesus goes on to tell the story, he says, as he began the settlement, there was a man who owed him 10,000 talents. It was brought to him. Now, that's a lot of money back in those days. For our analogy, we'll call it a million dollars. This guy was way over his head in debt and he was in trouble. Uh, and, and let me say something about that. You know, I know a lot of people are into debt, but boy, you need to be careful and you need to try and get out of it. You, you need to understand something. When you get these credit card offers in the mail, these people are not your friends. This is not a blessing from the Lord. When, oh, praise God, look, I got another 10,000. You have to understand something. It has always been in the heart of men to enslave other men. To cause other men to work for you so you don't have to do anything. It's called slavery. You say, well, pastor, we got rid of slavery back in the 1800s. Yeah, 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 yeah. But trust me, the spirit of slavery is as alive today as it has ever been. 
It's always been this. It's just that the Mazda is a different Mazda today. Now we got Mazda Card. American Express. Visa. These are people that you come and they set you up and then you serve the Mazda. Thank you, Mazda. Can I have more Mazda? Can I get another car, Mazda? Please, can I extend my... Please, Mazda! And what you wind up doing now is for $5,000, $10,000, $30,000 they toss at you. Now, you will work for years paying an outrageous amount of interest in slavery to these people. So they don't have to do anything. Torturing a child over there. So So they don't have to do anything. All right? This is the way it's always... Be careful. Don't get caught into those traps. Trust me. Person A who has the greatest high-def television and best surround sound and coolest car and stuff and is debt up to his eyeballs. And person B who doesn't have all of that stuff but doesn't owe anybody a penny. Who do you think envies whom? It's this guy everybody envies. He doesn't owe anybody anything. Don't get caught up into this trap. Trying to get as much as you can. Consume as much as you can. I got to have it. 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 And I encourage people to, to live what I call a 10-10-80 life. In other words, live on 80% of your income. Save 10% of your income. And then give away the other 10%. Be generous. The Bible tells, you to, tells us to be generous. And to bless others. Bless into the kingdom of God. But goodness gracious, people are living not at 80%. Not at 90%. Not even at 100%. They're at 110 120% they're hanging on for the very lives financially because we're so exceeding our incomes it's a trap and it'll suck the life out of you this man had so overextended himself he was now in debt for a million dollars had no chance of repaying it the king calls him in And in verse 25, the greatest fear of his life became a reality. Since he was not able to pay, Jesus said, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Can you imagine what that would feel like? I'm sure this guy, as most men, would not think much of Selling everything he had. He could, he could handle that. If he was a strong guy, he probably could even handle the idea that he, being responsible for the home and making bad decisions, could be sold into slavery to pay for the debt. But his wife, to be sold and never to see her again, perhaps to become the wife of another man, to have his children ripped from his arms, As they cried and howled, Daddy, no, no, no. And sold into slavery, never to see them again. Because of what he had done. This was any man's greatest nightmare. He was losing everything. And destroying the innocent family members that he had. And Jesus said the servant fell on his knees before him. He said, be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. Now, the chance of him paying back everything was not very likely. 
He was going for more time. If I can just have more time, maybe I can find a way or work out something or maybe my ship will come in. I I don't know, but I, I just need more time. And he's begging this man, this king, no doubt with tears in his face as he is hit with the greatest fear any man could ever be faced with of losing everything. He begged him and said, please, 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 I'll pay everything back. Jesus said the servant's master took pity on him and then canceled the debt altogether and let him go. Whoa. Well, I mean, all he was asking for was more time. All he was asking for was another chance. All he was asking for was for a little bit of hope and not to tear his children from his arms. And this king says... Okay, forget the whole deal. You don't owe me anything. You're free. You can go. Wouldn't it be great if you got a call tomorrow morning from all your credit card guys and your mortgage bank and everything else and they said, listen, we decided you don't owe us anything. You're free. How many would like that phone call? Wouldn't that be glorious? This is what this man had. Everything was forgiven. Everything was let go. He went from the lowest point of his life to sit on a mountaintop with the generosity of this king who just said, okay, forget it. You can go. Now you would think if something like that happened to you, you would be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, some of you guys tomorrow, you'd be just as thrilled as you could be. Some of you would be too thrilled to go out with the new credit card and say, I can get more stuff. Somebody ought to slap you. But just happy, man, happy. Free. I'm completely free. You have no idea the freedom that comes from not being in debt. Especially if you're in it up to your eyeballs. It's not a blessing. It becomes at some point a curse. You start thinking, oh, this will be great, this will be great. And you keep getting in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And pretty soon the joy is gone and now you're a slave. And to be set free. And to have a fresh start. Man you'd think that this guy would be the happiest man on earth. But look what happens. Jesus continues the story and he says. But when that servant went out. Instead of being overcome with generosity and kindness and freedom. He found one of his fellow servants. Who owed him a hundred denarii. It was just nothing. We'll call it 500 bucks. And he grabs him. And begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. He demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees. And begged him. Be patient with me. I will pay you back. Does that sound familiar? But look what this guy does. He refuses. Instead he goes off and he has the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. What a slime bag. After everything that had been given to him, this man was at the very point of death in his life. Of losing everything. His family and him becoming slaves. 
And being set free from that, he turns around and takes a guy who owes him nothing, very little, goes, gets the authorities, and has this guy thrown into jail. Well, Jesus continues the story. He says, when when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, I'll bet. They're thinking, what a jerk. Good night. Here, look what happened. We saw this, and then look what he does to this guy. And, And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant back in. You wicked servant he said I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you and in his anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be what to be what tortured Until he should pay back all he owed. And look what Jesus says. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I find it absolutely amazing how quickly people forget the debt they have been forgiven of. And turn and rail on others. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, asked to come down to uh, Missouri to speak uh, on the Jim Baker show. And, uh, you know, this is the Jim Baker from PTL and all that stuff from years ago. And, and he's, he's uh, on television again and, and uh, doing his thing. And, and, and I got to admit to you, I was, I was a little nervous. I didn't know anything about the guy. I just knew he'd, he'd been in trouble and, you know, and they'd even arrested him. He served some time in jail and uh, eventually it, the, the conviction was overturned. They said that it was it was a faulty deal. He didn't do whatever they claimed he had done, uh, and he got out. But boy, um, so here he is doing this thing again. And and I went down there, and and we spent time with this guy. And I, I got to tell you, in in three days we spent time with him and his wife. I, I don't believe I have ever met a more humble, sincere, kind man in my life. I'm, I was blown away. I mean, I meet a lot of different people. Some nobodies and some hoity-toities but but i i've never met anything like this it absolutely blew me away i i don't know what he was like years ago but i'll tell you he's a different man today and a broken man and uh and as humble as he can be and just has a heart for god and just and what a story of of you know being at the top and making huge mistakes and yet god's still using him the vision that will not die in his heart uh, I, I was, uh, I've been talking to him and I told him yesterday, I said, I want to I bring you up and, and, and speak to our church here in Green Bay. Would you come up? And he, he says that he will. So I'm trying to work that detail out with him and, and I'd love you to hear his story. Talk about a story of, of forgiveness and redemption. And, uh, but I remember when this all first happened with, with, with Baker. What had happened, for those of you who remember at the time, uh, it had been uncovered that he had a, a one-time indiscretion with a woman that had been seven years prior And uh, with that one thing revealed, then uh, not pagans and heathens, but Christians jumped on him and just beat the life out of him. It was Christians that destroyed that entire ministry. Not because of, uh, uh, you know, 
things that were doing illegal or anything else like that. They just, they just uh, heard that he had sinned and, and they just jumped on him horribly. And I remember Jimmy Swaggart being interviewed on Nightline. Some of you remember that. And, and he was as mean as he could be. Swaggart just railed on him. And just and I'll never forget it. I was so stunned. And I remember looking at Debbie and saying, what is he doing? What is it? You don't do that to people. Goodness gracious. Someone makes a mistake as a Christian, you jump on them and you choke them and say, pay me back what you owe me. And then it was just a matter of months and then we discovered that Jimmy Swaggart all that time had been paying for prostitutes. It's amazing. I, how do you do that? How do you hate somebody who sins when you yourself are up to your eyeballs in it? I have a friend who fell into sin as a pastor and he lost everything he had but he had this group of accountability pastors who were just so mean to him. Headed up by a fellow by the name of Haggard. I remember at the time, man, so why are these guys so mean? Why is Haggard so mean to him? What is the matter with people? Of course, we know not too long ago, Mr. Haggard, head of the Evangelicals of America, Paying for homosexual sex. I think, good Lord. How do you do that? How do you how do you be in a place where you owe millions and God forgives you of your sins, but then you turn and you choke the life out of others? As I was preparing this message, I thought I thought, you know, is is this why some evangelicals are so mean to homosexuals? You know, you got these guys, you know, God hates gays. And all this big gay thing. They're just, and I mean, some of them are as mean as rattlesnakes. You say, Pastor, are you for homosexuality? No, no, I, I think it's a sin. Just like adultery is a sin. Just like fornicating is a sin. Just like all kinds of sins are sins. We don't hate people. We don't attack and choke the life out of people. As I travel around the country and I talk to Christians and I, I'm constantly learning of of the, the sexual, I talked about this on Wednesday night, last Sunday, Wednesday, if you missed it, boy, you missed one of the most sexual talks you'll ever hear in a church. <laughs> the poor lady trying to interpret with the hand things was like, whoa, I was like, <laughs> you'd be surprised what the hand gesture is for a few things, I'm telling you right now. But Christians who are up to their eyeballs in sin and pornography and masturbation and committing adultery and wife swapping. I'm talking in churches around the country. Of course, you never hear them talk about it. You never hear pastors talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. I talk about it and freak the willies out of them. I thought, man, is that why we're so, some of these guys are so mean to others? Because they're inside. And I'm like, how do you do that? How in the world do you do that? How do you forget what is wrong with people? I don't know about you guys, but I am so aware of the debt that I could not pay. Of the sins I have done. Of the mistakes I have made. And for me to turn around and choke the life out of someone else who makes a mistake, I just, I don't understand how people get there. How do you do that? I'm amazed at Christians who are shocked when, when people make mistakes. I think, what planet do you live in? I expect people to make mistakes. They're people. 
People mess up. We do stupid things. Christians, you know, I don't get it. We're the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. Any other army, you get a medal. You mess up in the church, well, line you up and blow your brains out. Pay us what you owe us! You know, we're doing this celebration campaign that we're going to be dealing with and coming to an end next week. As we ask people to just reach in special and, and, and do something. And some of the comments you get, you know, you just, you just wonder, what's the matter with people? People making comments like, well, why should we do that? Why should we be reaching out to other people? Why should, we got enough around here we need to pay for. We need to pay off this building. We gotta, why, why would you do that? Why would you reach out to these people? They don't mean anything to us. I'll tell you why, because I cannot forget. The debt that I owed, that I could not pay. Because why, why, why do you bother with that church over at Stevens Point? And, and why are you doing this one in Appleton? What's, what's the deal? What, what good will that do us? I'm motivated because I cannot forget the debt that I have been forgiven of. Man, if I can relate to some people around the state as we branch out and do campuses, man, I'm going for it. You say, well, there's other churches out there. You say there's other churches out there, why can't they? But you know, because different people relate to different people. We relate to different people. We'll relate to people in Appleton and, and, and places that, that other people won't ever relate to. You know, the way we do church, the way we stuff, the way I talk, you know, I'm a little nuts. There's people who hate listening to me. There's other people who love listening to me. You know, there's people who listen to me and go, I can relate to that guy. He's crazy. You know, and I've been in Appleton. There's a lot of crazy people there. <laughs> and we can win some of these people. And maybe in Oshkosh and Manitowoc and some of these. Why would you do that? Why would you strike? Why would you go through the trouble? Why not just keep all the money here? Because I cannot forget what has been done for me. And this thing with the Hispanic. Oh man, is that a hot button? <laughs> Why would you reach out to those people? They're the most hated people in America today. Oh, the, 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 talk about being scapegoats. I heard some moron jerk. Talk show guy. The other day on the radio talking about this staph infection problem that's going around. He says, it's the problem because of the illegal immigrants. Dear God in heaven, how can you be so hate-minded and stupid in the same breath? All the evil problems of America today. Are all these people? It's all these people's fault. We need to get rid of them. Why would you reach out to them? Some of them are illegal, Pastor. They're illegal. Would Jesus spend time with illegals? I don't know. Let's take a look. What did Jesus do? The Bible says he spent time with sinners. Say, well, Pastor, they're all sinners. No, no, no. You don't understand. In that culture, a sinner was a lawbreaker. These are people who broke the law. These were illegals. These were people who were doing things that were against the law. Liars, cheats, thieves. 
people who were prostitutes, who committed adultery. These were lawbreakers. In fact, it was serious law. Does anybody remember what the penalty was for adultery? Stoning you to death. It was capital offense. It was the same as if you committed murder. These people were illegals like you cannot believe. We're not talking some immigration law. We're talking capital offense. And Jesus hung out with these people. And it made people mad. You know who got mad about it? Religious people. The religious people just had a So a pastor, they're they're a threat, they're a threat to to national security. Jesus would have never done that. Oh yeah, really? Tax collectors. These people were traitors, considered traitors. They were collaborators with the enemy, with the Roman government. They were an, an occupied nation at the time. These guys who worked with the Romans and took money from them and gave to Rome, they hated at the highest level. These were people who threatened the very national sovereignty of Israel. And they hated them. And Jesus spent time with these people. Hung with these people. Went to their homes. You think if Jesus came today, he'd hang out here? Not very likely. He'd be down at El Serape's. Hang with all those people nobody can stand. Remember, it wasn't the drug addicts that crucified Jesus. It wasn't the alcoholics that got him arrested. It wasn't the prostitutes. Capital offense people. Lawbreakers that arranged Jesus' crucifixion. It was religious people. Religious people who got so angry. They were so furious with him. They were ready to make him king. Thousands of people, multitudes would follow him. When he came into Israel, into Jerusalem, they were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They wanted to make him king, the Bible says. And he'd have nothing to do with it. And instead kept hanging with these undesirables. What's the matter with this guy? And their shouts of Hosanna soon faded into crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Why would we reach out to such people? Because I cannot forget the debt that I've owed. People say, why do you travel all over the country like this, doing this marriage stuff? You know, it's, it's not easy. It's pretty exhausting. Come spend a couple of weeks for me. See how much fun it is. Why do you do it? Because I, I can't forget what's been done for me. If I can help other people, I'm going to help them. I don't care what it costs me, who it associates me with, or who it separates me from. Well, if you're doing that, why do you take time to, to pastor this large growing church? They don't pay you hardly anything. Church in Stevens Point, for years, didn't pay me a dime. Took no salary. Why would you do it? Because I can't forget. I don't know about you, but I'm one of these guys who is consciously aware that I owed a debt so big there was nothing I could ever do 
I would have been the one saying, please give me another chance. Give me more time. I can make it right. And God says to me, forget it, you're free. I'm going to invite our ushers to come up and get ready to serve communion and our musicians to come. Why not play it safe? Why not just keep the money here? Let's pay off the building. Let's just do it. Why would we do this? Why are we doing this? Because I cannot forget. I tell you, the easiest thing in the world for me to do is just to stay home and play with my grandchildren. Live off of royalties from a book or something. Why? I cannot forget what he's done for me. Why am I going to give to this campaign? Because I have been forgiven a debt I could not possibly pay. The Bible says to whom much is forgiven, he loves much. And I tell you, I love a lot. Not because I'm holy. Anything but. I'll tell you what, if, if you can't relate to what I'm talking to this morning, then, then don't worry about this campaign. If you have no sense of, wow, I've been greatly forgiven, then just don't worry about it. I, honestly, anyone who's like that, I feel so sorry for you. I feel so sorry for you. But if you are among those who are consciously aware of being that servant who has been forgiven so much, that's the kind of passion that should drive and motivate us to do anything that we're doing to change other people's lives.